Herodotus, the Greek historian, reported that in the ancient Persians tended to deliberate on important matters while they were drunk. Then they would reconsider their decisions the following day when they were sober. If it happened that their first deliberation took place when they were sober, then they would reconsider the matter under the influence of wine. They fucked up again. If a decision was upheld both drunk and sober, the decision held. If not, the Persians set it aside. My name is Willows. And my name is Tyler. And we're both young business guys who still adhere to these ancient traditions. Ancient traditions. I haven't even started drinking it. Join us as we debate and discuss business topics, moves we're making, politics, and more, both sober and then drunk, to see if we come to the same conclusions. This is Alcohol Beyond This Point. After much delays and deliberation... We got delayed a little bit, yeah. We're supposed to start filming at, uh, or recording at, uh, three. It is now six. Yeah, and if you hear us sucking air, it's because we just ate some really hot chips. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Willows, what are we drinking today? Today, we got a few, uh, well, our middle, our centerpiece, as it were, is this, uh, bottle of limited edition Crown Royal, um, best Canadian whiskey, um, in the, in the can, in the Canada, um, probably the best whiskey, one of the best in the world, um, it's actually the highest selling Canadian whiskey in America, Crown Royal. And we've both been there. And we've both been there, yeah, they actually distill it in, uh, Gimli, Manitoba, about an hour north of where we are. Um, thanks, so thanks, Ben. By the way, yeah, this was a birthday present. This is a birthday gift for uh, Tyler. His birthday was uh, last weekend, uh, and then we got a handful of uh, some small, small, some some beers and ciders. Um, so we'll start on this side. We got a um, a uh, wit beer by a company called Barnhammer, uh, Le Sneak Belgique. Um, we got a watermelon uh, Summersby cider uh, that I definitely thought was a rhubarb one when I bought it, but because uh, the can is exactly the same color. But um, watermelon cider. Uh, we have another one of these crafty rattlers. I was trying not to double up on beer, but I was really craving one of these, so uh, I introduced that last episode. Um, we got a. Uh, I bought this right on the way out. It's made by Fort Gary. It's called Middle Province, so it's a collab with um, that uh, Middle Province. Uh, what do you call it? North Flag, that, uh, that clothing company. You know that you see in the Middle Province. No, I haven't. Really? No. Okay. They're, they're, they're a small middle province, so it's like Manitoba is the middle province, right? So, Fair enough. Anyway, so got that just to just try it out. Um, we got a, <laughs> a Rockstar Vodka, obviously, because uh, tired. T- Tyler grabbed one, and we are tired. And uh, this is uh, Innocent Gun, uh, their lager, um, brewed with naked golden oats, which... Uh, Ooh. It's better than normal. That is better than normal. Everything's better naked. Yeah, Innocent Gun is a personal favorite of mine. I prefer the rum finish beer, but they do not can it, and it's expensive. Usually, I don't know. I just got this one. Great small batch brew. So um, yeah, that's what we're drinking today. Uh, I'm gonna crack this uh, Rattler to start off. Uh, you and I guess you're pouring some yeah, whiskey before the ice melts. Uh, so top, today, top, yeah, top of today. <laughs> that's the spicy ghost pepper chips. Okay. Yes. Uh, so I think this podcast in general is going to be long form podcast answering a question. And then we have, um, what do you call it? The, the affirmative and the negative is the opposite. Yeah. The affirmative and the negative. I'm overthinking this. (laughs) Yes. The affirmative and the negative. And as you'll notice, neither of us are very good at committing to an opinion. So we're going to flip flop constantly. So argue with ourselves well see i like arguing with ourselves like i like 
exploring. We talked briefly about uh, being ENTPs last uh, episode. Great cut there. Coca Cola. <laughs> um, we talked a little about a, about our personality type, um, which is nicknamed the debater, and uh, literally. It said in there like you like they like to just debate from both sides of an argument. Even like I I do it all the time. Argue shit I don't believe in just to kind of you know that's how you understand a topic is you you look at both sides you argue both sides. I actually didn't remember that or realize that about the ENTP personality. But hey, that makes this perfect for podcasting. Well, that's what they do with uh, like debate class, right? Yeah. You have to they'll just decide you a thing, and someone has to argue for, and someone has to argue against. You don't necessarily believe it. But that's the cheers. Yeah, cheers. So it begins first of many. Um. Anyway, so tell us what the topic is today. Um. So this came up because I conducted a job interview this week, and I don't know. Was just kind of ruminating on it as I was driving, and I commute two two and a half hours every day. Great thinking time, but the question is: Can you judge somebody? By who they were or what they did three years ago, and the reason I say three years is because uh, it's far enough away that it feels like a long time, but it's also not so long of a time that it's irrelevant. You know, it's just a time frame that makes sense. And I think of myself three years ago, and here's the flip side of the question: immediately is would you feel that you can be fairly judged by how you were three years ago. That's probably the better way to frame it. Okay. You can see, it, you can look at it outwardly, you can look at it inwardly. Um, and I guess by extension, we're kind of asking, do people change? Right. It, this, it's a very loaded question, and I was thinking about it in the way here. Um, it goes in many different directions. I don't think there's going to be much lack okay. of stuff to argue about. So... Off the top, like without thinking about it, mm-hmm. I say yes. You can judge somebody. You should judge someone accurately. And, okay, you should judge and you can judge someone accurately over something you did three years ago. I think, yeah, it is complicated. I think more or less people stay the same. They make improvements. And, and obviously there's outliers in every situation, right? But how many people do you know have major life-changing, personality-wise, like, events that happen in their lives? Like, within that short period. Within that short period, especially. Even, but, fucking, for all the people that you can give examples of, like, oh, they, um, you know, this guy, you know, whatever, almost died and then changed and whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but how many examples can you give that don't do that? comes to mind for me is you think, think back to your uh, think back to your high school graduating class and now you see them in their lives they live today can you say oh yeah I could have seen that earlier or that makes sense or how many people completely surprise you right people I think the tendency is to believe Oh yeah, yeah. I like in retroactively. Like, oh yeah, I can totally see that. You know, based on how he was, this is how he is today. Looking backwards, like 
you're a pretty good judge of character. You know, he always was this way. Oh, I knew it. I knew that about him. Not surprised at all. But when asked to actually... Look predict, three years in the future. Predict how someone would behave, you're probably going to be completely fucking wrong. That's interesting. Well, I guess in hindsight's twenty twenty, right? They always say is that... I wish it was. <laughs> memory, memory is about as reliable as a fortune teller. Okay. <laughs> like... That's that's a subject for another time. But do honestly don't don't trust your memory either. Right? And your mem and see this is why this is a loaded question because how do you judge someone based on how they were three years ago? How clear is your memory three years ago? How clearly did you see yourself? How clearly did you see them? Do you have like some off rumor? Maybe you know something about this person that it's that actually a fact about somebody else. Yeah. So Anyways, it's okay, very well, important. So in context the, is important. Let's talk context. When is this question even asked? I would say what comes to mind, two things come to mind right when I think about it. Job interview, mm-hmm. you just got out of jail. Yeah. You've been rehabilitated, but you did armed robbery. You know, you went to whatever, right? That is one of the first things that come up, comes up. Another one... Um, I probably won't say his name, but we are having a provincial election right now, and one of the candidates um, has been convicted of domestic violence. <laughs> like convicted, like char, like not just charged. Like it wasn't just allegations. Like he was convicted in a court of law uh, for beating his wife. Um, and this is more than three years ago. I think this is like twenty years ago. But um, a lot of people when the opposition brings that up, a lot of his defenders say, well, he's changed. He's not the same person. People make mistakes. He's atoned for it, etc." Right. Um, but I don't think, I said in good conscience, I don't want to vote. I can't vote for it. Right. Because if someone is capable of that. Could, what do I, yeah. What are they going to be capable of as my, as you know, my leader? Right. Right. So that's, um, and you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, not that political leaders, it, like historically, if you go back 200 plus years, have any semblance of a shining record when it comes to their treatment. <laughs> uh, of course of women. not. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But um, so I guess like a good a good thing to look at, like if I look at my past three years ago, it wasn't exactly stellar, right? Three years ago, how old was I? Twenty. Um, well, if we, say, if we say five years ago, yeah, when I was 18, 19. I was living in a trap house. I was doing drugs. I was sleeping around. I was, you know, not being a very productive member of society. Um, so, but now, right? But then, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to look at yourself, I guess, with, a, with an eye like that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Memory is about as trustworthy as a fortune teller. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, would you hire... Like, you do hiring, I do hiring. Would you hire someone who's been convicted of a crime? On a regular basis, I do tenant screening. Yeah. And our tenant screening is exactly this. Uh, Maybe this is what kind of posed the question. Um, Hiring somebody and putting someone in your house, uh, you know, to live there and take care of it. Um, Honestly, very similar. Hiring someone. Yeah, very, very similar process. And we're in, like, some low-income housing, right? Yeah. A lot of it's government-subsidized in high-risk neighborhoods. Call it what you want. It's the ghetto. 
uh, a lot of ghetto housing, and you look at things a little bit differently. You know, for example, um, primarily hasn't been evicted in the last five years. And if it had been evicted ever, why? If it was a divorce, I write it off. Yeah. Um, like if it comes in time with a divorce, I completely write it off. If it comes in time with, uh, you know, a breakup, um, those types of things, you can pretty much write it off. But how do you know they're telling you the truth? Yeah. Um, you honestly, the short answer is you can look for trends and we have three points of information. We have the character reference, we have the credit check, and then we have the evictions and criminal. So that is a total picture. And very rarely do I get somebody that checks on all, all three. three. I guess context obviously matters. Yeah. Um, obviously, if they've, oh, they've been evicted three times because of non-payment every time. Right. Well, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost always non-payment, but what's the circumstance? Fair. Was it my ex-husband was on the lease and stole and didn't me, pay, and he left me with this rent I couldn't pay? Yeah. And I left, and he and he left, and he got evicted, but my name was on the lease. It's yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. By. Okay. Let's say someone got evicted for like a tenant got evicted that you're doing a screening for, for something. Like not excusable, like got evicted for non-payment because they were just telling you to fuck yourself, I can live here for whatever it is, right? But that happened three years ago and they've been stellar ever since. Mm -hmm. What do you... If it, Then that would show stellar ever since, quote, would be... Paying on time. Go on their credit check and you would see no missed payments for the last, let's yeah. say, 60 months. But three years months. ago, with no context, was just refusing to pay rent because he didn't like you or something. Like, so, you know, like something... Yeah. That person would clear because mm -hmm. their trend is now paying on time. Yeah. If their criminal is clean and their job checks out, we would say yes. Okay. And but even if your if the if your screening process says yes, do you agree with saying yes to something like that? Yeah. Even if a screening process says no, sometimes we'll say yes. Okay. Based, I think. Is there a situation where the screening process says yes, where you would personally say no? Yeah. Okay. We had one the other day. That came down to, oh, sorry, there's like a fifth. There's four elements. The references, credit, criminal, eviction. Fifth reference is the actual listing agent that met them. Sure. Their opinion. They have the interview, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Their, their opinion varies very heavily. So this girl, she checked out on all four. Awesome. Going to a good school, good credit, uh, has a job, income's good, everything's good. Shows up to the viewing, stoned. Mm. Um, had... I don't know if she said it or showed it, but she had like over three ounces of weed on her. And I don't know why you would say that to like right. showing you? But a... she was stoned out of her mind; like couldn't put some sentences together. Okay. Um, but like stellar student. Yeah. Good job. Good yeah. credit. Never been evicted. Oh, she got high on the weekend. But yeah, but she she showed up to a showing high. Yeah. Like I don't care if you get a high, and like we're from Manitoba, so. Weed is not... Well, marijuana is legal, number it's, one. It's legal recreation. You can go down and buy it as easy as a beer. Yeah. So that part, I I don't have a problem with it morally or ethically, but the fact that it's illegal and mm -hmm. she's partaking in it, yeah. that that's a different thing. Yeah. And then here's the, you know, the nail in the coffin was when she's finished with the showing, she crossed the street uh, to go hang out with her friends at this, like, known trap house where there was constant drug deals and parties. And we knew that because we had 
done a big renovation on the property and he just watched drug deals happen all day long. Yeah. So he's like, she knows these people in this trap house across the street. She's getting a big, beautiful apartment. Um, she's here with her friend, getting a two bedroom, says it's for herself. She's going to party here. Yeah. That was the conclusion. And despite everything checking out, I just vetoed the decision and said no. So on paper, it looked good, but then context, which is interesting, right? Which is like, but I think like I'm I'm the exact opposite. Where on paper I was a poor student, and uh, my credit's really low because I've been running a business, right? But then contextualize that into real life, I'm actually good. Oh, here's an interesting spin to that uh, to the conversation where you're going. Yeah. Uh, for people that hire people or people that get jobs, which pretty much covers everyone, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> except for you self-employed people out there. Um, how much bearing does a resume have on somebody's capabilities? It's kind of the same question. I say very little. I think you do as well. I agree. Um, the hiring I've done mostly, I don't even look at a resume. I like to look at it, but it's one piece of many, just like my screening. Well, remember when we were interviewing people when we started? The winery yeah, we when, when you were helping me, we we were asking questions that the answer was irrelevant. It was how they approached the question. What were those questions? Do you remember any of them? There was a few of them. We had like ten. There, um, like how would you define hard work? Oh yeah, is one of them. And depending on how they approach that question, like whether they're approaching it on a day to day basis, like. What is hard in the moment? What is hard work over a lifetime, over a career? How they even approach the question tells you a lot more about their mindset than how they're answering it. Yeah. Um, I should remember that one. There was a few of them. Um, I can't remember anymore. But, um, yeah, but like the, the whole point of, uh, of that was to kind of get people's mentality. Um, and I guess like I like, or uh, yeah, one one of the ones I like is uh, what's the most interesting thing we would learn about you that's not on your resume? Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. And it's it's good to do right when you start because how they think, what they think is interesting about them or their abilities or whatever, tells me a lot about what they value. Yeah. Right? Um, so, I don't know. I my favorite way to interview people or my favorite interview questions are when I'm digging for a certain answer, I found a thread and I'm kind of pulling at it. Yeah. And this is a, you know, due to sales experience and whatever, but I'll ask the same question three, four, five different ways. Yeah, I've heard that. That's I've heard fun. Yeah. I did that. I did that in the last interview. And basically I kind of, I had a feeling that this person, you know, had the right personality, but I, um, you know, some people interview well, and can pitch and, you know, um, just verbalize what their ability are. What their ability. They can sell themselves really well. But some people are really equally good but cannot sell themselves without you pulling it out of them. Yeah. So I had a feeling that she had the right stuff, but she wasn't saying it. And it was kind of – the interview was really falling flat, even though I knew there was something there, right? So I kept on – asking the same question over and over and over again and eventually it finally came out I'm like that's it that's your underlying motivation and it always comes back to um, honestly mommy or daddy issues 
I hate to say it, but like, if you want to really understand when going gets tough, how someone's going to behave and react, how they perceive their parents and how they perceive their parents' success, successes or failures, their careers, uh, feelings about business and money, um, that has a, seems to have a big bearing on either, either people will be uh, apathetic about it or, you know, I, my parents are broke and they live an average life and I just decided I didn't want to live an average life. Maybe it's as simple as that or it's, you know, I have a rich father and he's been hard on me my entire life and I hate what he does for his business. I want to be successful like him, but I don't want to have anything to do with him. Okay. That's kind of what she came down to. Yeah. Like rich, successful man. Yeah. Biggest in town at what he did. Yeah. But she didn't want anything to do with the business. I'm like, that's pretty cool because now she has a, a high, um, a high bar to hit. Yeah. But I mean, she doesn't want to do it dependent on somebody else. Yeah. And when you get somebody who's got a who got high aspirations but no dependencies, you have the right formula for someone that's going to bust their balls to get something done. Okay. So that was like what I kind of pulled out of her. That's interesting. Um, second drink. I'm cracking this watermelon cider because I'm interested. Um, Going off the rails here for a question, but it'll all come back. Summersby's a really um, artificially flavored. Like I, I'm not a huge Summersby fan, but it's like it's like how I'm a fan of like Dr Pepper. I'm gonna say it's, is, it's like a Pepsi of cider. It's 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 nice to have one every so often, but like I could not drink that every day. Like it's just so artificial tasting. But it's pretty good. It's all right. Watermelon. Um. Anyway, but I think, like, if you were to judge me off of, if you were to judge me off of three years ago, you probably wouldn't let me live in your house. Much less take my money and run with it. Yeah. But alas, you did. <laughs> well, because I think I'm... Why I like we were saying I, I I could sell myself in an interview where I don't hit the three boxes but I can get I can kill the interview, right? Yeah. Which counts for way more. That's how I got my first sales job. Yeah, I didn't have shit going for me, but I came through the interview so cocky. They're like, "Okay, this kid's got a chip on his shoulder and he seems cocky, but either he's doing it on purpose or he actually is." We're either hire, way, we're gonna hire him and find out. Yeah, because I'm sold. So what's selling cars? Yeah. yeah. And then he came into my office after the first week and he told me this. He's like, you know what? I hired you because you were cocky. Yeah. He's like, I thought you were going to, you might be a problem. It was like 50, 50. He's like, <laughs> I'm happy to say, I don't think you're a problem. You just, you, you just sold yourself Yeah. a little overconfident. And I'm like, I sat back and I'm like, Oh, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm we're fully understanding what I did. Works out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, do you think people change or have the ability to change? Well, I think anyone has the ability to change, obviously, but do you I think, think anyone listening to this podcast, if you didn't believe in that, you wouldn't be listening to this goddamn podcast. I don't know. I feel like... You don't believe in self-improvement? I think there's a difference between self-improvement and, okay, like, for instance, 
I I could get better at basketball, but I'm never going to be able to play in the NBA. There's this like I just not have the genetics and the physical prowess. Like there's no level of improvement I could do that I could be an NBA player. Okay, that's interesting. So I can get better at basketball, but I'm never going to become an NBA player. Yeah. Yeah. So I think someone can can improve. Like maybe someone who's, I don't know, like a, some like well, let me just I don't know if I fully believe this, but but I'll just lay it on the table. Like someone who's a criminal can get better at obeying the law, but will never become not a criminal. If we're putting it the same way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Like, I mean, if you really want to get meta on the subject, which is where my mind always tends to go. I think when it comes down to making a judgment on somebody's character, uh, I think it has more to do with your inner beliefs than it has to do with the actual person. So Give an example. the yardstick that you use for you know, the believability of someone's change yeah. probably has a lot to do with how much you yourself have changed. have changed or commit to change or how often you relapse back into old habits. Because if I was a piece of shit and I'm still a piece of shit, then you get but some other piece of shit gets better. And I'm like, well, he's still a piece of shit, obviously. But you're like, you're like front <laughs> a really good image. Yeah. But deep down, you know, you haven't changed a lot. Yeah. And you see some guy who's got outwardly the same. Maybe he's actually changed. You're going to judge him by your own standard. Because I think, like, although my habits have gotten better and I've improved myself, I don't know if that I've changed completely. Like, I don't think I've ever changed my goals, like, my my mindsets in, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm talking, like, core, core, like... Yeah. Core at my very value, yeah, values at my very base. I don't think have changed at all. Probably not. Not since I met you. Yeah. Uh, Which was about three years ago. Yeah. To me, you're the same person you've always been. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously, I've seen a lot of improvement and change in my behavior and, you know, whatever growth, I would say. Um, But I don't know that I've ever actually. I've never, like, gone a 180. Like, I guess, like, what, what would be a 180 for my life? Like, I'm like, you know what? I don't get fulfilled by doing business anymore. And you became a teacher. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> my parents, yeah, follow my father and become a teacher, right? Like, that would be a change. That'd be completely 180. Like, I've never done anything like that. Right? Like, even if you look at high school, like, I knew I wanted to kind of do something like this. I just didn't know. And then at 18, I'm like, yeah, winery. That may- Okay, let's do that. Like, you know, but that was that was like a pivot. That wasn't like a change of of core value yeah so i don't know if people because like i i even know people that like were were like drug addicted and got clean but i think they were all they were like they were always good people at heart kind of thing they did shitty things because they were you know addicts but then when they got clean they don't do shitty things anymore that was like an improvement but i don't think it was like a whole you know, core change. I don't think there's any, so, like... So can a man change his nature? Or can he just change his actions? Well, exactly. That's what, yeah, exactly, right? Can't, like, 
someone who's inclined to be a serial killer, or can they be rehabilitated and not want to kill people anymore? Uh, they're just a serial killer that stopped killing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Quacks like a duck. Yeah. Like, I see, I see tendencies in myself that are exact, identical to my father. Yeah. And that's very common, uh, where traits, personalities, tendencies, business, what work, career, whatever, typically tends to be genetic. Um, so nature versus circumstance. So is your nature fixed? Well, I addressed my nature in an entirely different way after observing how it treated his life. So I've got the same nature as him, completely different outcome in life because I faced my nature head on and he didn't. But I don't know that it, that you... But am I any better? When well, push comes good. to shove. Yeah. Well, when does push ever come to shove nowadays? <laughs> when you, you know, all the things that are working for you that are, you know, positive, don't. Yeah. Everyone has a rock bottom. Of course. I'm always fighting to get there, it seems. <laughs> okay, so try I, as I might. Try as I might. I cannot seem to sink my company. <laughs> um, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. So, I think one thing that I wanted to mention, um, as my personal advice to this question, which is my favorite way to answer a question is to kind of like just disregard it and ask a different question. Um, when it comes to judging people's character, I would simply just answer that with a question, why would you trust your own judgment at all. My own judgment? Right. Like judging somebody else? Right. Okay. Why trust your own judgment at all? And is there value to trusting your judgment or do you just set rules and punish those who break them, reward those who don't, and forget about your judgment? I think there's a lot to be said about instinct and how you feel about an individual. Yeah. I mean, there's like the reptilian gut feelings. Yeah. Of dangerous, not dangerous. Death, yeah. death or survival, yes. Yeah. Um, I wonder, like, I wonder what, what, like, why was it, why was your person's judgment that, oh, this is going to be a trap house person? Like, you know, why was that judgment accurate? Right. Because it was, it was substantiated by evidence, but you didn't know. Yeah. She may as well have been a, you know, perfect tenant. You don't know. Yeah, she could have been perfect. Right? But it was substantiated by evidence, by history, and then you know that this becomes this. Like, you know that drug dealers equal partying equals trouble, etc. Yeah. Student, students equal <laughs> trouble. Um, like a, stu a student that smokes weed and parties? Oh my god. How... <laughs> <laughs> How unexpected. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not. Yeah. It's not the fact. But I guess like you based on based on previous experience, you can come to that conclusion. Yeah. Right. And also, if that's what she presents at a quote interview situation. What is it when she's at her worst? Exactly. Yeah. But you also have to contextualize. Right. 
What if she was like, I just got fucking dumped the day before, you know, I'm, I got high cause I was sad, lost my job. Or I guess then you'd be rejecting her for a different reason, but you know, like you never know, like you never know why. So that's why, that's why I asked the question, why trust your judgment at all? And see, this is how, and I'm saying because based on evidence, right? Based on evidence, but that's when you, evidence maybe contradicts a rule that you have. I don't do business with a person that does X. And, but this guy's really nice, and <laughs> yeah. But regardless of how nice he is or how much you like him, you don't break that rule. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'm training my staff to screen people. Is there specific rules? And I say, don't trust your judgment because these people will finesse you out of your fucking living. Yeah, which is absolutely true. I had a woman fake a death in the family, cancer, a divorce, and a sick child, all to get out of rent. Wow. I didn't know people were capable of such. Yeah, no kidding. And not just that, but sustaining the lie by recruiting multiple people to participate. Yeah. Incredible, honestly. <laughs> I have, like, the human mind has no bounds when it comes to saving a buck. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah. And... You're one of those people, too. I have never faked you're, you're thrifty. You're thrifty. I'm thrifty. I'm not a fucking... I'm... You're not a liar, but you're thrifty. To quote uh, Tony Montana, all I have in this world is my word and my balls, and I don't break them for nobody. <laughs> exactly. Um, or, yeah, you have your set of rules, for example, the Ten Crack Commandments, which we talk about all the time. <laughs> they are actually very good, sound business principles. Yeah. Well, I'm... I was talking with my business partner one time about um, my my little brother was doing stuff with drugs, and I don't, I don't want to get into it, but uh, basically, I always say that drug dealing is the purest form of entrepreneurship. I think that's paraphrasing Gary Vaynerchuk. Because um, so, like, it's it's unregulated. You know, there's no taxes, there's no nothing. There's no, there's no power structure to rely yeah. on. You literally just buy for low and sell for high. That is, it's the most pure form of entrepreneurship, drug dealing. And the, mafia, um, the mafias. I've been watching a lot of Sopranos. <laughs> so we talked about, um, I was disapproving of selling drugs and he goes, you always say that drug dealing is pure entrepreneurship. And I had that. I immediately shot back. Yes. But I also say, follow the 10 crack commandments. Don't never, get high on your own supply. <laughs> never. Don't get high on your own supply. Never sell no crack where you rest at. I don't care if they want an ounce. Tell them bounce. Like, you know, there's there's that goddamn credit, debt it. You think a crackhead's paying you back? Shit, forget it. Like, there are some, some sound... People, some people quote scripture. Willows <laughs> quotes rap. Um, but, uh... I don't, I don't know my point. Oh, yeah, no, I was saying, like, I, I would... I have no problem with someone who is selling drugs, but I have a problem with someone who, like, breaks the Ten Crack Commandments, right? So that, yes. Like, see, right? So I don't have any problem with someone who... I don't have a problem with a student that smokes weed and parties, but I have a problem with one that's dumb enough to do it in front of listening <laughs> That's it. Well, okay, here's, here's a good one, too. Like, in a job interview, right, if they were like, oh, yeah, you know, I got, you know, I got, I got charged, whatever, for or shoplifting or something like that, that, you know, whatever. But I'll be like, why'd you get caught? Like, <laughs> do I want to hire someone that's dumb enough to get caught to get arrested for it? Like, I don't have a problem with the crime. I what, Why did you, like, how dumb are you? you yeah, know? why weren't you better at it? That's a hypothetical. But, um, 
You know, it's it's like uh, this podcast is hypothetical. By the way, <laughs> none of this is real. We are not real. How can we even be white where we don't even exist? Um, but uh, he's drinking water, and I don't like it. It's making me uncomfortable. It's because institutional wisdom states that I got hung over as hell last time. So, yeah. Go back and watch the last, like, 20 minutes of the last episode. He was goddamn drunk. I was black. I, I cut out a bunch of stuff where he a was lot. Just, he was, like, zoning out. And, like, <laughs> Ten so. minutes of silence staring at a wall. Yeah, it was bad. But, yeah, we'll um, do better today. We're, well, we'll see. But, um, the night is young and I'm still sipping. I guess I, 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 like, I guess at the end of the day, context is very important. Very. For everything. I think there's not very many... But context is immediate. So here's an important point. Okay. When you're making a judgment on a person, on a person, you're saying context is important. Uh, context is in the moment. Let's say maybe the context of their mistakes makes sense. But typically, like, look at people interpreting, you know, the Bible or Scripture. It's usually done without context. Yeah. Um as most people's information on other people is. Yeah. Um, so when you're making a snap decision on someone, what I like to uh, do as an exercise, especially when it has anything to do with a major decision, uh, you know, concerning doing a deal, you know, working with someone, a, like a business partnership, an interview, which I guess is like a partnership in a lot of ways, uh, even dating someone, making a friend, like anything where you're kind of going into a new endeavor, uh, suspend your disbelief for long enough to see what's in front of you. Okay, give me an example. I got one primed. <laughs> so the current business that I'm in yeah. is with uh, it's with two guys who were both uh, like just in the infancy stages of wanting to do a business in that completely ignorant stage, that, that, that cringy stage that none of us like to admit that we were in, and, you know, look down on people that are. And I was in the position of, you know, running the educational seminar of where these guys were going to get their first taste. And when you're in that, like, complete, you know, reverse power situation where it's like you're the sucker buying, yeah, uh, you have you kind of hold on to that opinion of that person. And this was in the, you know, real estate seminar, right? Yeah. So this guy came in, he bought the thousand dollar course, didn't do a damn thing with it. And, you know, last conversation I had had with him before I showed up to this, uh, to this meeting. Cause you're selling real estate investment courses at this yeah. point in time. For context. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't when I met him. Okay. But then when I, you know, when I met him this next time was, you know, year and a half later, no, three years later, it was three years later, great time frame, right? So, it's like that came from somewhere. Um, <laughs> he was now in a strong position and completely contradictory to the conversation I had like seven months earlier, which is not a long time, where I'm talking to this guy over, was it Instagram? And I'm like, how's business going, man? How are you doing? And he's like, I got seven streams of income. And I know for a fact he still works a job. I see that, and I li- exactly, I literally laugh. I'm like, seven streams of income, and you work a job. 
you cannot a count your job as a stream of income in the context of this conversation. Of this conversation on business. Also, an MLM doesn't count <laughs> because how much are you getting paid? Not enough to quit your job. Absolutely. Like, break down all of these different streams of income for me, and like seven are bullshit. One is your job. Yeah. So that was kind of how I. That was my feeling towards this person. Yeah. But seven months later. Had a seven-figure business. Yeah. Absolutely killing it at everything that he touched. Yeah. Like, prodigy-level business. And I'm looking at it, and the only reason I was able to sit here and, you know, sit there and actually completely understand what they were saying and believe every word of it was, A, because of the, you know, factor of legitimacy where I was sitting in this big 7,000-square-foot beautiful office that he paid for. Um, or was because when I rolled up and I saw his truck outside, I'm like, oh, it's this guy. Yeah. I'm driving a piece of crap car. He's got a beautiful truck that's forward. He's got an office. He's got all these things. And I'm sitting there looking down at him, and I just stare at the wall, and I just say to myself, I'm like, okay, suspend your disbelief for the remainder of this evening and just listen. And then that's how I walked into that situation. Twelve hours later, we had a partnership for it. Like, it was probably the most profound, like, focused moment of my life where um, my own judgment of a person was so completely wrong that I had to literally just throw it out and then eat my pride and essentially work for him in the complete reversal of when we first met. I had to eat my ego and effectively just start this whole relationship over again. And it's very, I don't, I don't think, like, I don't need to, like, toot my own horn here, but I don't think a lot of people can do that. You think people become attached to their idea of somebody, to their judgments of someone, and they will try to reinforce that. Yeah, you look for reasons why... You think they're shitty, so you start looking for reasons why they're shitty, rather than looking for redeeming qualities. Yeah, and so much, like, I live in a small town. (laughs) I even heard my mom talking about this the other day. Sorry, Mom. Um, This one woman that was well-known for sleeping around with tons of different men. And it's like, so be it, she enjoys sex. Great. And now she's, you know, happily married. If you continue along the line of thinking, you would assume that she's probably cheating on her husband. Yeah. Or maybe they're this or that or the other thing, and they're still slutting it up around town, not to, not just one at a time, but now they're together. Yeah. Like, that would be the assumption. Yeah. But the reality is, that was like a five-year period of time. Yeah. Who's to say she's even remotely the same person? So you're saying she changed. Maybe she did. <laughs> um... I get, yeah. Well, I guess there, there's a lot of different layers of even context, right? There's a lot of different, there's like removing, because, well, at the end of the day, no one knows what you're doing in your life, pretty much, except you. Right. They don't know your intention of anything, for sure, right? And then a lot of people don't even know what I'm, what anyone is doing rather than yourself, right? No one's there every day, every second, right? But then there's people that kind of know you, and then there's people that 
know you a lot, and you know the there's levels of context. I don't know what my point was, but yes, I think to continue on my rant of suspending disbelief. Yeah. Um, I what I challenge anyone who listens, if anybody does, I don't care if you do, uh, is this this notion of how you treat other people or decide other people's fates or or whatever, how you judge, I think is everything to do with the way that you treat yourself. Okay. If people judge severely, yeah. they probably have a lot of problems in their life that they haven't addressed. Well, that's like, um, what the, the, what's the, you cast the first stone, what's that phrase from the Bible? You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. You have never sinned like them throw the first stone or whatever that is, right? If you want to condemn someone for this sin, uh, he who is blameless cast the first stone. Yeah, and no one is. And no one throws the first stone. Yeah. Also because Jesus is standing there. Yeah, but like, (laughs) you know, it's like, if you, yeah, if if you're judging people, if you have a bad context of people, then people are going to judge you poorly as well. Yeah, so... My words of encouragement, if you're looking to make a change in your life, start a business, or maybe you started a business and you fell on your face and you humiliated yourself, lost your money, lost your family's money, whatever position you're in, you have to be able to suspend the disbelief in yourself, your own disbelief in your own abilities, long enough to see if you can actually do what you're trying to do. Okay. So... Well, I guess right now I'm trying to do a new thing. Historically, every time I've tried to do a new thing, I haven't done it. <laughs> so I have to push that out of my mind of what my expectation of myself long enough to actually give it a try. And on the reverse side, that kind of goes into like some cost fallacy where it's like if you – I've been doing this so long, I've committed so much, I may as well see it through. <laughs> Right, and people know me as the guy that does X. Why should I change? Yeah. Or I can, I can not change, and nobody will say boo. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. Well, like some cost fallacies are used a lot in gambling, where you're down money, so you got to keep going back up until you're even at least. Throw good money after bad. Well, exactly. Right. Oh, that's like the daily struggle. <laughs> like I, I have to sometimes. I have to sit there sometimes and pitch to an investor as to why he should throw another eight grand after the thirty grand that's made him no money. Well, because but in a lot of situations, you should cut your losses. In a lot, yeah, yeah. In most, yeah, yeah. There are situations but where. I, but when I sit there and I pitch a guy and I'm like, I'm, I know you threw in thirty and you lost your ass, but you didn't have me. Is typically the pitch. Yeah. Which sounds narcissistic, but unfortunately. Well, so is so is sometimes, sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's true, yeah. Um, yeah. Someone asked me. I was uh, sampling one of my wines the other day, and someone asked me if it was good. Is this good? And I look at them and I go, "This is the best wine that's ever been made in the history of mankind." <laughs> And they go, oh, okay, bottle, bottle. <laughs> it's, um, yes. 
And, I don't know. And for context, half the time he'll say, he's like, I don't drink it. How would I know? I'd never say that. You'd say something of the like. <laughs> Why? Sarcasm is a very effective tool because it can make someone crack. People always ask me, um, well, especially when I'm at like farmer's markets and they don't expect there to be alcohol there. They go, is this real wine? Right. I go, as opposed to fake wine? And that, that gets laughs like 90% of the time where people are like, um, like, okay, they don't, they don't, you know, and then they start framing, they think about what they, what they just said. What did they just ask me? Is this real? Yeah. Yeah. Like, are, or are you allowed to sell this here? And I always go, um, nobody stopped me yet. Nobody stopped me yet. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a good line. One time I accidentally said that to the organizer of the event. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're like on the board. Yeah. That organist, so she didn't have any knowledge of what it was actually happening. But she's like, "Oh, you're allowed to sell this here." And I'm like, "No one stopped me yet." And then she goes and talks to the coordinator. Coordinator comes over. She's like, "So, can you like show us your licenses and everything?" <laughs> so I'm like, "I can't." <laughs> like, but um, I didn't get one. Yeah. Oops. No, I, I do everything legally. Um, but uh, that actually was another question I had. You sure. just you just dug it up. Perfect. Um, I was out of topics. So. What was for the people that don't know, the very first product that Shredding Doctor sold? Exactly. Cringy. Not a good product. Yeah. It was not a good product. It worked in the context of, um, you know, seventeen to nineteen. I think I know where you're going. Is yes. that what was your second product? Three years ago. Can I? Can you still judge my current products off of three years ago? Correct, but my what I actually want to know: what was your second product after Shogun? The mead. Yeah, I actually was reading a book today, and it was talking about mead. And I thought it was funny. Um, this is an interesting way to reframe this. Um, so, if if you're not familiar, I own a winery. Um, make lots of different fruit wines, grape wine, sangria, mead, cider, different things like that. Um, and my partner and I started this business on like $50 Canadian um, to basically buy some homebrew supplies. So starting a manufacturing operation where you need to float tens of thousands of dollars and you have $25 in the bank, a little bit tricky. Um, so a lot of the first products we made the first, you know, three, four, six months of the operation um, were of lower quality because number one, we couldn't afford the equipment. Uh, we didn't have air conditioning. We couldn't, so it was fermenting too hot. So it was getting bad. I don't, I don't know the science behind it, but it was getting this bad flavors and stuff when it ferments too hot because we couldn't cool the building because we didn't have any fucking air conditioning. Um, so didn't have the recipes. You didn't have the yeah, but that, that, but that's besides the point. But we didn't have like the the proper uh, crushing equipment for the fruit. We didn't have any, you know, we had to destem stuff by hand and like, you know, whatever. So <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I missed that weekend. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't you have that weekend? I, was, I think I was out of town or something. I think it was on. I, was, I think that was when you were traveling. Yeah, yeah, that's when yeah. I was traveling every week. Yeah, anyway, but uh, so that's actually a really interesting way to reframe the question because now I'm going to change my answer. Because exactly. I said people don't really I've been thinking about change. This. That's interesting. People don't really change, but my products are so – my products, every single one of them is so drastically different than it was two and a half years ago when if I – Companies can change can people because companies are just assemblies of people and output of their activity, right? 
Yeah. There's not much distinction. That's very really interesting. So you are always who you are today. Yes. Your output just wasn't there. Correct. So was this company always what it was today? But so if I'm if I'm a billionaire in 45 years or seven years, <laughs> um, was I always a billionaire, or is there a certain point? You know, you look at Jeff Bezos. People like that started a company on their home computer, looking to put up value. Does he ever change, or was he always that? I think someone like that always has it in them. Like, there's some secret sauce there. Self-awareness is really important to know what you're good at and know what you're not. So how do you judge products and companies? Was well, the product good? Right. Which is the today, here, and now. Hyundai, horrible cars. Yeah. 25 years ago, like, you're lucky if you hit 100K without the thing blowing up. Yeah. But now, they, you know, they're, they're in the ring with the best cars in the world. Yeah. So, why don't we afford people the same luxury? That's interesting. Why? Because it's concrete. Tangible. Tangible. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. A good tasting product and a bad tasting product. Satisfies me or doesn't. It's easy to tell. A car that... The car either breaks down or it doesn't, right? But people aren't so black and white. The people ju- judged Chevy by the Corvair. The one that, like, right. trapped people inside and burped to the birth of death? It was essentially the most effective rolling death trap ever rolled The gas tank was, like, right by the engine or something? No, oh, no, right by the bumper. The gas tank was between the bumper and the axle, so if you got into a rear-end collision, you're almost guaranteed an explosion. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, if we don't drive Chevys anymore because of that. Right. But we do. That car was so bad it actually brought on modern era of cars. Which is which I think something like that has to happen That's to make amazing. big changes, right? Um but they've changed, evidently. Mm-hmm. And people don't fault them for that anymore. Do you think but I'm I'm sure do you think Chevy sales and other models went down that same year? I'm sure they took a hit. Yeah. Especially when the guy published the book, I forget what it was called, all about how dangerous the Corvair was. So why don't we allow humans the same luxury? That's an interesting question. Because I don't think we allow ourselves the same luxury. What do you think you've changed majorly in the last three years? I like to think so. <laughs> I feel like six months ago when I made a change, that's been my whole life. But I know that's not true. Yeah. I, I think, like, as far as I've known you, you've had pretty much the same mindset as far as... Right. You've just found different outlets. Yeah, but if you ask my mother, she's like, you do something new every three months? And in reality, I've been doing the same thing the whole time. Yeah, you've just found a different outlet for the same thing. Right, so output equals what people do. Perception, though. Right. So <laughs> here's a meta-meta tieback. We're sitting here recording a podcast, putting out our random ass thoughts. This is, if honestly, if you're looking for like hard facts and you know intelligent reporting and synthesis of not, you're just this is an, <laughs> this is not the podcast. This is you. an opinion piece. Get used to it. Yeah. If you're here for hard facts, go elsewhere. <laughs> um, 
go listen to NPR. So we're here putting out content long before we're, you know, ready or accomplished. And we're doing this because we want to document our progression. Yeah. Right? And I this week in particular, I've been getting a lot of, uh, like, you know, those Facebook reminders of, like, here's a post you made five years ago. Would you like to repost? Yeah. I think it was actually three years, three to five years ago. I don't know. But a lot of my Facebook posts, like, every single day, I was, like, putting out some, like, little snippet of wisdom. Yeah. And I read it, and I'm like... It's a little cringy because <laughs> I didn't know anything. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I can read it and be like, okay, that's, like, some good shit. Yeah. I was regurgitating, you know, a lot of, you know, self-help stuff I was consuming at the time. I was like, fake it till you make it, though. Right. But at, but at the same time, like, I stopped doing that. I read a book at uh, my business partner's request called The Millionaire Mindset. Honestly cliched book it was all basics um knowing what i know about you know entrepreneurs and why why they write books and how they write them this was like a very clear case of you know thumping my own chest beer number three but anyways not very potent content in this book but it really just hammered on the basics which had its own value. And if you go into a book, especially saying, you know what, what can I get out of this? And you look for that and focus on it. Great. You'll get something. And I did, but there wasn't a lot there. There wasn't anything new. And I think the basic principles that we're talking about today and in this podcast and these opinions we have and these values we hold, we don't have the output. We don't have the, value produced to the world that we're going to have in five years from now. Of course. And, you know, the, quote, proof in the pudding. Mm -hmm. But how we think about life and ourselves and others today is going to make all of that happen. It's not, you know, the guy that succeeded after 25 years of business asking him, like, what do you think is the right way to do this and that and the other thing? Yeah. And what he tells you is post-25 years. Yeah. But that didn't get him shit. At the time. Period. What he says today didn't get him shit. What he said 20 years ago is what got him what he is today. Yeah. So, with that being said, you want to learn how to be, you know, a liquor baron or a real estate billionaire. Don't ask me when I'm 45 how to do it. Ask me right now. Yeah. Because what I say now is going to make the rest of it happen. Yeah which is why you document before you feel like you have anything to say. Well, that's why the whole, well, but then like I, I used to say when I was younger, the, the, what the, uh, say what they say, do what they do. You'll get what they get. Which is true. And it's such, well, it's shit though, because you'll never recreate 2019. That's true. Situation. You know what I mean? Like, and you're also not that person. You're also like you know what I mean. Like it's, if you if you succeed in your lobbying efforts of the government to change the regulations around liquor, and stuff, I'm changing the entire world forever. Like this entire right. problem is forever. So you'll never have to do what I did. And you'll never have the opportunity to have what I have. Yeah. Well, exactly right. So um, I I used to I I do the same thing where I look back on my memories all the time, and uh, yeah, I used to post just cringy like. Yeah, we're we very much the same timeline. Yeah, we did shit. I used to post, you know, like 
a quote about whatever success followed by like let's go or something you know like hashtag whatever right and yeah <laughs> and uh i don't post anything like that i like i even stop talking about what i'm doing yeah what i Same. what i do is just post results like even that imaginative yeah but people like i i don't need i used to post like oh man i just had a big meeting like stay tuned i just had did this you know i have these plans i don't tell shit about my plans anymore what i like what's there? there's a jack harlow song where he said uh we drop bombs we don't make announcements like that's pretty much like what i do it's like here's this now here's what i just did like i released the newspaper interview or at least the, you know it's like i don't i try to tease less i try to you know because my results speak for themselves yeah right you leave breadcrumbs instead of talking about making bread yeah because but when I was posting, you know, like five years ago, when I'm posting all these Facebook statuses, like, I'm going to be so rich, and this is why, because, you know, because you, you got to hustle, and you can't listen to, you know, whatever it is, you know, stupid quotes and whatever. And that's like, what is that? What are you talking about? What is that doing, though? You know what I mean? Like, well, it's... got you here, is what it did. But it's tantamount to, like, live, laugh, love, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> like, like what are you oh, talking about? Don't even talk to me about that. The number of houses I've had to repaint because I can't remove the goddamn live, laugh, love stickers off the wall. Don't do it! Stop your mother. <laughs> but the, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just... Triggered! Think, I guess I just think that, um... I don't know. I, yeah, like, I just, I just, like... My results speak for themselves now. Right. Right? Like, yeah. So do you disagree or look down upon the person that sits there and just talks all hype and does nothing? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Unfortunately. I roast them. And that was me. That was me before. But... but did you appreciate being roasted? Did it motivate you? Probably. I think it motivated me, but I don't think it would motivate most people. I think it discouraged a lot of people. Yeah, most people don't do shit. Well, and, and then there's two ways, like... A lot of people, I think, that I roast, or that anyone roasts, would go, well, fuck you, you're just a hater. Right, and that's the person that's going to make it. I didn't really ever say, well, fuck them, they're just a hater. Like, it was more like, I don't want to say it was like constructive criticism, but it was like, I kind of started reframing my mindset around, I don't know, I guess I just don't value other people's opinions very highly. Like, especially of me and, like, what I'm doing, it's, like... That's the judgment paradox, back to our initial question. Was that I, I'm very judgmental of myself, but I don't care about other people's judgments. Right, you're judgmental of yourself, you don't care about other people's opinions, but you do, and you use their feedback. You care, but only enough that it's constructive. There's a difference between constructive criticism and... Like, roasting someone because they're being annoying. <laughs> My buddy, who's, like extremely good at this would sit back and like these guys would you know spark a rap battle and they'd be roasting each other and it'd be like the, the worst the worst rap battle i've ever seen it was just like a whole bunch of your mom this and your mom that back and forth and the guy that could actually battle didn't say a word and it took probably three hours and a lot of drinks to get up revoked the moment he stood up he almost lost 
couple of friends that <laughs> night. Like the guy that he roasted legit left the house and didn't come back for two hours and they didn't speak for weeks. That's funny. Like that was, you know, that was a guy holding you back. I don't know where that was going, but. Do you think people need that kind of negative feedback? Maybe not that kind, but like in business, do you think, or in anything like that, do you think people need negative feedback? Well, to spin back to my other story about screening this girl. Um, so she was very confused because we initially approved her on her paper application. Yeah. And then we rejected her post. Yeah. Uh, and she kept on like texting and calling, trying to find out why, trying to find out why, trying to find out why. And like my, my staff, and they're relatively new, especially new to this. They're like looking at me, they're like, oh my goodness, can you take this call? Like, can you deal with her? Because she won't stop texting. She won't stop calling us. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to say? She's like, I don't know, just take the call. So I did. And uh, this was actually lunchtime, so I was a little bit more lethargic than normal. And I was laying back on the couch. And she asked me, why do you reject me? And I just flat out said exactly why. Everything I just said, you know, you showed up high, you went to the trap house next door, you reeked of weed, I know you're a student, you're probably going to party. I just, I told her everything, and little does she know, like, I'm on the other end of the phone, 23 years old, and she's probably 22, and I'm sitting here passing this judgment on her character, and she just went quiet, and then she, she initially argued, she's like, no, I don't smoke, and I'm like, you reeked of weed. And I'm like, you think we don't know what that smells like? <laughs> I'm like, maybe you didn't smell it. That's because you're high as fuck. Yeah. And I just laid it out. And I was brutally honest to her. And I passed my judgment back to her as feedback, not as judgment. I wasn't angry at her. I wasn't condescending. I didn't say anything rude. I just said exactly my, my decision-making process. And she just went quiet. And I could tell that she was, like, accepting the criticism. And then I finished up the conversation by saying, you know what? You're good on paper. You seem like a great girl. You know, you followed up. You seem like, you know, people that actually have legitimate, deep-rooted problems, they don't ask questions when they get rejected. Because they already know they because should. they know. They accept it. Yeah. You, know, you know, buddy over there that I rejected because he had felony cocaine trafficking from Florida. Yeah. He knows he's literally on the run. Yeah. He's not gonna he's not gonna dispute my rejection. But yeah. she did so big like you know, so enthusiastically that I'm like, okay, maybe there's actually something here. She's defending her honor. Yeah. Which means she believes in her honor, which means she's self esteem. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I said, clean yourself up, show up sober, don't stink of weed, resubmit your application on a new property because you ain't getting in this building because the owner already knows your shit. Yeah. I said, get into a new building, I'll have a new listing agent there, and you can try again, and you can start fresh. I said, if you can do that and get me whatever different records I needed from her, I said, we will probably accept you. And what do you think the odds she does that is? She called back 25 minutes later. Exactly. So I think I get a lot of, not so much anymore, but I still do, but I used to get a lot of criticism, not even criticism, just like people being dicks to me. 
because I was young and trying a business that no one ever's ever tried and people, you know, like I, I got a lot of yeah, very mean, cr very cruel comments uh, yeah. online. Like, for, like if I was a more insecure person, stopped you in your track. Would have stopped me in my like like cyberbullying level stuff. Like it was so I've read some fucking mean shit. Not that I care about it. But it's out there. But none of that was framed in a productive way. But on the flip side, I've had people like I'm I'm part of a couple of craft beer groups, uh like local groups so like people in the city join. And when we had like a shitty batch of something I had people be like, hey, I think this is shitty because it was fermented too hot because I taste these whatevers and blah, 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 and blah, 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 like, you know, whatever. And this wasn't them being like, oh, yeah, good try, maybe try again. This was them saying, I hated it. It was bad. But I think this is why it's bad. And they didn't say, try again doing this. They said, I think you fucked this up, whatever. But they said it in a way that I'm like, I didn't consider it even criticism, it was just like, yeah, like, you're right, thank well, you. Like, yeah, kind of product, product criticism or action criticism yeah. is very different than character assassination. Yes, yeah. And there's a, and then there's also a difference between constructive criticism and just basically shitting on somebody. And But I, I'm sure there's people that still don't drink my products because they had one that they didn't like, so they never tried again. Right. But I also have people that like, there's a beer rating app called Untapped, and uh, people rate my cider on there. There's people that went back and changed their rating after they tried a later batch. Right. Right? So... Yeah, and I can absolutely agree to that. Right? So, there's a difference between... Because, like, you would give your friend constructive criticism, right? But there's... I think there's, like, a level between constructive criticism and just shitting on somebody, there's like a level between where it's like, it's not friendly, but it's not just, like you said, character assassination. Like, it's not them being nice to you. It's not them trying to help you, but they're not just trying to be, you know, a sociopath and, you know, and just like, a, uh, what do you call it? A masochist or a, the op like, you know, like just trying to hurt you because it's funny or, or they, you know, got some sort of pleasure in hurting you. There's a level between where they don't give a fuck about you, but they can frame it in a way where I guess it's just polite, I guess, would be a way to say it, right? Yeah, it's useful. Yeah. And then, so I can take that and make adjustments and change. But I think, do you, well, I, do you think people get discouraged when they hear even a little bit of criticism towards anything they do? Yeah, absolutely. I think... The biggest trend that I've seen in entrepreneurs, because I've worked with and for many, um, is how people react and respond to criticism or, you know, a really bad sales meeting or rejection or, you know, a clear failing. Um, the people that are successful are the ones that will go through a terrible meeting and walk out and be like, instead of, wow, man, I really bombed that. Their initial reaction is, wow, fuck that guy. Yeah. So <laughs> it's... What do you think is better? In the context of business, wow, fuck that guy gets I think, you a lot further. I, I, I was going to say, I've been in both those situations, but I think I more often, I'm like, he doesn't know sh sh shit about what I'm doing. Like, right. 
Yeah, yeah. because he's judging you on your product, not your character. Yeah, or vice versa. Right. Right. I have a lot of people that still don't drink and still don't drink my shit and still shit on me publicly because they don't like me. Right. Not because they don't know anything about the product. They never tried it. But they're like, oh, product shit, because they're shit. And it's like, fuck off, you haven't tried it. Like, So we'll kind of circle back here now that we've killed all the, all the drinks in front of us. Um, use all the storage on the camera. Use all the storage on the camera. Yeah, sorry. Uh, now we're probably the last little bit of this podcast is going to be no video. Um, because you have no idea how long ago it cut out. Actually. This, yeah, we actually have no idea how long ago it cut out, but this idiot didn't delete anything off his phone, so well, whatever. Anyway, but uh, we'll circle back to the question, which was, can you judge somebody accurately um, off of something they did, uh, their behavior, or something they did, or whatever, three years ago? I said yes at the beginning of this podcast, but I'm almost thinking no now. <laughs> that. I think just like just talking it out and thinking about it, I almost think that context is so much more important for everything, right? Like, there's a difference between doing something bad and having like systematic behavior for doing bad things, right? There's a difference between fucking up and and being a fuck up. Yeah, no, but actually, right? But actually, right? I've fucked up a lot, but I'm I'm not a fuck up. Yeah. Right? So I'm almost changing my answer, which is why the Persians did this sober and drunk. Because I almost think that... I don't know. I think I, I think that people don't change though. I, I, I do think that at the end of the day you're gonna be the same kind like something that you thought was okay, permissible, I don't think you're ever gonna be able to like at your core think, change that belief. Think that's not permissible anymore. You may not do it because yeah. you understand the consequences, but you may not believe any differently. Or vice versa. Something that you thought was not Permissible. I don't think you majorly. The only example I can think of right now is um, religious-wise. If you thought that something was premarital sex was against, was you're going to go to hell. But even then, I don't know if you actually thought it was bad or you were just scared of the consequences, right? Yeah. But then say you're like religious, and then you lose your religion, and you don't think it's bad anymore because you don't. But I, I don't like. I don't know if you ever had a problem with the actual thing. You were just more, more so scared of the consequences. Yeah. So I, I don't know if the, I can think of an example where you, at your core, thought something was permissible, and then changed. And then changed. And I understand being. You could like be ignorant. You're like, oh, I didn't even know that hurt somebody. Right good 2019 example would be like misgendering someone or something yeah right where you like misgendered someone and you never thought it was a big deal or like using the n-word or something you never thought it was a big deal until someone sat you down and was like hey this is actually kind of a big deal it hurts people whatever and then you're like oh i didn't even know right and it changes your mindset right that's kind of the example i'm thinking right now something like that but i don't think there's ever like if you think that killing someone is okay, I don't think there's any situation where you're going to change to think that's that's not okay. Universal truth. Right? 
don't violate the universal truths. Yeah. So I'm not sure if anyone ever changes their nature. Their nature, but I don't know if you can accurately judge somebody off of a singular thing they did. Would you trust a thief that never steals again? Context, right? (laughs) What do they steal? Why do they steal it? Well, no, here's the answer. You trust him up until he steals from otherwise. Steals from you, yeah. Right. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Suspend your disbelief. Suspend your judgment because you don't know shit. The only thing that is guaranteed in hiring is that 50% of the time you're wrong. Or anything, probably. (laughs) Right, but... 50% 50% of marriages end in divorce. <laughs> right, exactly. 50% of businesses go out of business. Like. Right, no, it's it's my favorite quote about HR. I forget who I heard this from. I think it was at the uh, uh, Uniting the Prairie's Tech Conference. Because they have a guy, one of the founders, out of the five founders, the one guy, he focused on specifically being the, uh, I don't know what they call him, like, like chief culture officer or something like that. Okay. So all he was was HR and culture. You know, through him, HR function. He didn't necessarily do every interview. But he met every new person. And the idea is you have, like, what you believe people should be. You have an ideal ideal culture, ideal Mm -hmm. mindset, whatever it is. But you cannot pass that judgment onto people's character. You can only measure them by that, you know, metric. So... That's why I say use policy, not judgment. Use process rather than decisions. And one of the wisest things I've ever heard, this was a not-so-famous quote by Peter Drucker. Uh, He was in a private interview with another author, and this author said, what is, like, one thing that you could tell me for the next 50 years of my life that I should know? And Peter Drucker, who's a very famous author, says... Never make a thousand decisions when only one will do. And I think that comes down to the judgment of people. Decide what you accept and what you don't, and make those easily definable. And when people violate that, they're done. And second, you know, going back to the three-year principle, second chances typically don't actually change things, unfortunately. Yeah. But if that's your principle, I give second chances, not thirds, or I only give one chance and let them go. If I every contractor I've ever given a second chance has fucked me for another five grand. <laughs> so <laughs> don't give your contractor a second chance. One and done. That's a principle. So how many chances you give in it, in and of itself is a process and a principle. So read the book Principles by Ray Dalio. Bloody amazing. Like I will swear by that book. But live by principles, not your own judgment, and use base principles on wisdom, which is what Ray Dalio talks about. His institutional wisdom is based on, you know, many things happening over time. This means this, that means that. Make decisions based on that, especially when it comes to business, and try to remove your own judgment from it because it's either going to be arrogance, personal bias, or, you know, self-deprecation, you know, 
lack of self-confidence or self-overconfidence that will make you blind to these decisions. If you use wisdom and process instead, you're actually going to be able to build something. You're going to be able to build a culture, something that is recognizable, something that's consistent. Those entrepreneurs that you and I both know that run a business by gut, the gunslingers, the cowboys, the rock stars, whatever you will. It doesn't last forever. It doesn't last forever. It's it's a genius with a thousand helpers. Yeah. What the fuck good is that? Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're out there to build something of lasting value, which I think if you're an entrepreneur, if you're not, get the fuck out. So, yeah, can you judge somebody? I would say no. Nobody can judge anybody. All you can do is make decisions based on what happens today because people will surprise you in every direction, up, down, and sideways. I've had the nicest people become the worst nightmares. I've had the worst people become the best people. And I was, I, I'm wrong half, I'm, if you're wrong half the time. You're doing well. <laughs> if you're wrong half the time, you're, you're never actually right. Yeah. That's how I see it. It's a very difficult process to ignore your own intuition. And I, I say you're wrong most of the time. <laughs> I don't think I have anything to add to that. I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think like I haven't maybe even been had enough experience in that. You know what I mean? But like I, I've known people that. Of fuck people over that haven't fucked me over and I continue to do business with them right. because it didn't fuck me over. But on the flip side, I've also had people that have fucked other people over and I heeded their advice and then didn't do business with those people. So I've been on both sides of it and I guess that probably just comes down to gut feeling as well and intuition. Which may or may not be right. Which may or may not be right, but... It's right 50% of the time. <laughs> 50% of the time it works every time. So, yeah. Well, answer in the comments below or don't because I don't know. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, my name is Willows. And my name is Tyler. Um, We're drunk. We're, we are intoxicated now. Um, I'll call Beyond This Point podcast on Facebook. Um, we're on Spotify. Um, and Anchor, I put it on as well. Um, but Spotify mainly, uh, YouTube as well, obviously. So, uh, yeah, alcohol beyond this point on everything. Um, give us a like on Facebook and, uh, listen on Spotify, please. And, uh, share it with your friends. If you can get one person to follow us, that would be awesome. Um, we're going to try and find a, a middle ground. Cause right now I work weekends a lot and he doesn't, but he doesn't want to drink during the week. And I don't want to drink during the weekends because we're both working. So we're trying to find like a middle ground where we can record semi-often without. Yeah, every seven or 14 days, either one. Yeah, I think I want to get out max or uh, minimum twice a month, max, whatever we can get, obviously. But uh, yeah, um, thanks for watching and uh, or listening or whatever. And uh, we will be back with episode three right away. And send in a question if you have one. If we think it's interesting. We'll work on it. If we don't, well, then you'll never hear it from us. Cheers.